This is Bibliovile, the terrible book exchange podcast where a woman and her husband get each other the worst books they can find. For this episode of Bibliovile, Nick read Jill Shaldison's The Sweetest Thing, and I read Julie James's It Happened One Way. Welcome to Bibliovile, the terrible book exchange podcast. My name is Mick Dickinson. I'm the co-host. And I'm Susan Dickinson, the other co-host. And we are here to bring you another set of just... Oh, guys, the worst books that we could find at the Iowa City Public Library. We, library, I'm that person now. Library. Yeah, Tamara. Uh, we are going to take you to the library, get you some strawberries. Cross over the railroad. Railroad. <laughs> anyway, it's going to be uh, especially good. Yeah. I'm going to get an especially good espresso. Supposedly, that has more caffeine than normal coffee. Yeah, but for all intensive purposes. <laughs> It's just about the same. Anyway. Oh, uh, no, I can't do anymore. Yeah, anymore. pulling the ripcord on this one, getting out of the bit. Uh, what we like to do, we go to the Iowa City Public Library. We check each other out the worst books we can find, make each other read them, and then have to give a book report on them sight unseen, uh, to which many of my students and several of my teachers say, what are you doing? Why is that? Why are you? Why do you do that thing? Why are you reading that book? Yeah, especially because I was reading this at lunch today in a, in a hustle to hurry up and finish it. Uh, it was it was a close one, much like uh, House of Pain. There was a little bit of jumping around. What's House of Pain? <laughs> the band that sings "Jump Around." Oh, okay. Yeah, that was about it. It was about spot on. Anyway, it is a beautiful May night outside. Uh, May night, May 9th uh, outside. We actually just finished eating some delicious grilled cordon bleu because your boy's a chef. Mm -hmm. And uh, roasted vegetables on the patio. And now I feel bugs every single inch of my skin. I think I'm on LSD. I think it's because there's bugs all over our apartment. They're flat. Like, I think there's something wrong with our screen door, or we just Here, leave it open too yeah. much. Here's the thing that's wrong with our screen door. Here's the thing that's wrong with our screen door. Users. That's fair. Our apartment does have bugs in it, though. Well, one less bug than it did earlier, because I killed a huge spider the other day. If you didn't, then it would have far fewer bugs in it. I Spiders aren't bugs. Spiders are horrible, and they all have to go away. I, um... <laughs> I sat down to put my running shoes on to go for a run, and I looked down at my hand, and the spider was right by my hand. I ah! I panic texted you and my sister, except my sister is in a different country, so she's not going to get that text message. <laughs> you were too afraid to remember that? I was, and I just, I'm, I'm, I'm used to just being able to text her all of the things. Yeah, and multiple text messages at the same time. That's true. So when she gets back from her month-long trip to Italy, she's going to have a message on her phone from me about a giant spider on the floor. We should try to convince her that you got eaten by it, and the, her not answering was the thing that let you get eaten. Well, given that I've texted her multiple times since then, 
once again to or not no no no, on like an actual method that she can respond to on like the whatsapp thing and we've interacted back and forth so so she probably isn't gonna believe that i'm dead forever yeah plus she can feel it in her bones if that were to ever happen i see that sounds like something out of a bad romance novel well speaking of bad holy cow holy cow susan that's the best segue i've ever seen since I balanced a pole on a hoverboard. But then you killed it. Cause then you, I want to give you props. like a You called out World the segue. Anyway, much like uh, I'm going to call out a lot of the tropes in these romance novels. Not as good. Uh, the sweetest thing, and it happened one wedding. Uh, Sue, so what happened in our intro? So when we recorded our intro just now, Mick handed me both books so that I could read the titles. And for a split second, I couldn't remember which one was which. And I almost said it wrong. I almost said that you read It Happened One Wedding and I read the other one because they're pretty much identical. Like the plot line on the back looked fairly similar. The, the cover the definitely. The covers look very similar. The color they're even palette. Like, yeah, the, the author's Jill name Shallison, is in... Julie James. The author's name is in pink. The title is in a bluish color. It's mostly in off-white. I just, I couldn't remember which one I read. And we could probably legitimately just like swap and right. then exchange names of characters and it would it would probably it's, be it's, about the same. It's funny that you say that. Uh-oh. Because my romance novel would because these are both romance novels. We we don't talk to each other before I pick the books that we pick. Uh but Sue, can I talk about Julie James? I'll talk about Julie James when it's your turn. Uh I would like to talk about Jill Shalvis though. What do you have to talk about, Jill Shalvis? Jill Shalvis has a whole a whole shelvis of books oh, in the library. Dang, he took it from me. I was gonna say more like Jill Shelfus. <laughs> she has a whole shelfus of books in the library, um, and all of them are essentially the same. And over half of them take place in Lucky Harbor. Lucky Harbor. Uh huh. And they all like all of the covers look the same, so they're all like white books with pink writing. And a picture of a couple umbrellas were used on several of the covers. It's just like, just keeps going. It's all the same thing. So I wanted to ask you before we get started. Mm -hmm. Do you remember the hockey sex book? Yeah. So in the hockey sex book, one of my favorite things about the extended hockey sex book universe is that all of the characters from the previous book. Just hang out are present in the future books. So in the book that I read, uh-huh. there were like multiple other hockey players and then their sex partners. And yeah. then I looked back at her the descriptions of her other books and it was about those characters. Yep. Is it similar with Lucky Harbor? I did not do the same research that you did vis-a-vis uh, caring. But I have to say that in the previous Simply Irresistible... Simply uh, Irresistible. I have to believe that it was her sister because her main character... Tara, mm-hmm. Tara, I don't know. Tara. Tara uh, has a sister. Has a sister. Has a sister who shall remain nameless that now <laughs> hooked up with a man called named Jax. That man Jax also knows our male interest. Uh, and the next book, uh, Head Over Heels, involves Tara's other half-sister, Chloe, and Sheriff Sawyer Thompson from Lucky Harbor and our main 
uh, uh, love interest knows Sawyer Thompson is his best friend. So, so it, it, must, probably it probably is, is like an extended yeah. Lucky Harbor sex book situation. Yeah, I just discovered this thing as I was trying to find the name of the next book, and I did not realize this is here because, God forbid, I keep reading when I don't need to. But I did not know they, they did this in romance novels. So this is gonzo podcasting. Uh, that they write letters from the author, like, at the end, and it's, like, the little trio of authors that write in their coven. I've seen that in in my last book, had that too. Yeah, or so one of this is not the back books. description, because I'm not giving you the back description, because I have another game we're going to play. Oh, good. But this is from the desk of Jill Shalvis. Dear Reader... Writing a romance called The Sweetest Thing, I always find it funny when you have to, comp- when you have to uh, capitalize the titles, which centers around a decidedly not sweet heroine, amused me. Tara Daniels is wound a little tightly and likes things her way. She's also for a former Southern Belle who appreciate the fact that she's right a lot. She's also not a Southern Belle. She comes originally from this like Washington town and lived in Texas for a bit. Yeah, so not a Southern Belle. The sweetest thing? Not exactly. (laughs) Sorry, this is the first time I'm reading this. But her heart's in the right place always. And, as it turns out, there's a man who melts her like butter on a hot roll. Not only that, but he can soften her in a way that she isn't That's not great. (laughs) That's not great. Not only that, but he can soften her in a way that she isn't sure she likes. Oh, no, I don't. That's not good. (laughs) See, Tara thinks she has it all together, but turns out she doesn't. She doesn't know a lot about herself. Although all she has is the fact that she can cook like nobody's business. I'll talk about that. Oh, how she loves to cook. It's a Dr. Seuss book. Tara was a challenge for me because, here's where I must admit it, I got a lot of recipes for my husband. True story. I'm married to a big guy who works with his hands and is the ultimate alpha man and yet he can cook. Don't try to figure him out. It'll hurt your brain. Trust me. Gross. I hate that. I'm just a lady. I, I can't think. I don't like that at all. Gender rules. Gender rules. Uh, good morning, Sunshine Casserole, which I did not uh, cover in my reading, is all his. Just don't tell him I, quote, borrowed it and am telling the world that it's my heroines. It would just go to his head. Happy reading and cooking, Jill Shalvis, www.jillshalvis.com. I have I have two thoughts. Yes. First thought, you recently, in your real life as a social studies teacher, uh, taught a lesson about gender. And oh, yeah. And you talked about Several um, of them, gender roles and performing gender. Mm-hmm. I feel like you should have just read that one paragraph to them as a prime example. Uh, second, a man who cooks? Ow, my womanly brain. No, but he's an alpha man who works with his hands. My second thing, her whole bit about, like, I felt like she was trying to insinuate that Tara isn't your typical romance character because she's not sweet. She's, she knows what she wants and blah, blah, blah. That's every character in a romance novel ever. That's all the women in romance novels, including mine. Now I really regret doing this because uh, this ruins one of the questions on this quiz that I'm about to give you. <gasps> I have a quiz? Okay. You have a quiz. And the reason for this quiz is, you know, it's coming It's coming to finals week. Some of you college graduates who totally listen to our podcast. Boys. Some of you college graduates, you high school students. 
No, definitely not. But, like, it's coming to be finals time. I have to write a lot of quizzes, and frankly, I'm pretty good at it. Not to mention that this book was the, like, template. Yeah. I knew I didn't finish reading it because I didn't have to. Like, I skipped around because I was like, well, I want to see how right I am, and we'll see how right I was. Okay. So. Let's go. Tara. Last name. I don't know. <laughs> uh, Good. What business does our Tara protagonist take over with her two half-sisters? Is it A, a bed and breakfast, B, a bar and grill, or C, a doggy daycare? I am willing to bet it is A, a bed and breakfast? Correct. Woo! Ding, 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 so, ding, 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 I mean, in case this is your first Biblioval, I have not spoken a word of this book to Susan. Namely, that it's pretty, like, boring, and that would be a boring conversation topic. So she does not know about these answers ahead of time. I am a little surprised because as far as bibliophile books go, the trope is for her to own a bar. Yeah, but that's but there's no rom- monsters. Rom com, the trope no. is for her to own a B and B. Definitely no com in this rom. Uh, what does our first male protagonist, Ford Walker, do for a living? Is he a a bartender, b a marina worker? Or C, a professional sailor, or D, all of the above. I'm gonna, I'm gonna guess that it's D. D, that it's all, all of the, of the above. above. Indeed, he is a bartender. Sometimes, other times, he's working on the marina right outside her bed and breakfast. And also, he was a professional sailor. Just a regular jack of all trades, this guy. Yeah. Uh, what is notable about Ford? A, he has a gold gold medal in sailing. B, he was in the army. Feel free to play along at home, by the way. B, he was in the army. C, he saved a bus full of kids. Or D, all of the above. Absolutely all of the above. It is not all oh, of the above. Oh, dang it. You gotta what be is careful. It? He has a gold medal in sailing. In sailing. He's a professional okay. sailor. Remember that. A gold medal. A gold medal. In sailing. In sailing. Is that part of the Olympics? I actually think it is. I'm pretty sure one of my mom's cousins participated in the Olympics for sailing. Oh, wow. Good for them. Um, what else is notable about Ford? A, his mother dated a president. B, he's been in a movie. C, he's been in Cosmopolitan Magazine. Or D, all of the above. Cosmopolitan he Magazine. He has been in Cosmopolitan Magazine as one of the country's hottest bachelors. I figured after the Olympics, they're <clears throat> all over that. Sure. Definitely for the sailors, because mm-hmm. when you're described as being hot in a book with no other like kind of uh, descriptors, you, Cosmo's all over that. Uh, four, uh, no, I'm sorry, five. What secret do our two protagonists share? A, they've been sleeping together for dozens of years and no one knows. B, they had a daughter together and gave her up for adoption. C, they killed a man on a lonesome forest road. Um, is the other protagonist Ford? Yeah, Ford and Tara. Is there an option for A and B? No. I think, I think that it's the, they had a baby and they gave it up for They adoption. had a baby and they gave it up for adoption. That is true. The C is the plots too. I know what you did last summer. Uh-huh. Uh, six, what, t- this is the one I gave away. What tendency does our protagonist exhibit? A, inability to let go, a control freak. B, alcoholism. C, inability to settle down, a wild child. A. A, inability to let go. I feel like you would have gotten that one anyway. I would have, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Seven, what tendency does our male lead, Ford, exhibit? A, alcoholism. B, a control freak. Or C, too easygoing. 
Defo C. Defo C. Too easy. Too going. easy going. Uh, I wish I had been keeping score. I think I've only missed one. You've only missed one so far. That's right. Uh, eight. What is Chloe, one of our protagonists' half sister, like? This one's kind of fill fill in the blank. If you have no idea, I'll give you multiple choice. Her half sister, Chloe. I'll give it a hint. She's younger and short. I bet Chloe is like kind of a hippie. She's pretty carefree. Um, Here are the multiple choice options. Is she A, a wild child, B, a wild child, <laughs> or C, a wild child? Nailed it. Uh-huh. Without even the choices. I am... I, I, I can't. I, we'll just wait. We'll wait till we get to my book, and then I'll talk more. Nine. How is the wild child behavior exhibited in this book? A, occasionally we are told that she is a wild child. B, she goes on midnight paintballing hangouts. C, she changes her hair color occasionally. Or D, all of the above. It's definitely the first one. That, like, that is definitely one of the options that we are we are told that she is a wild child. But I also feel like it's C, she changes her hair color. So I'm going to go with all of the above. D, all of the above indeed. She does indeed go on a I am killing this. paintballing hangout. Uh, ten. One day, Tara's ex-husband, mm. Logan Parrish, comes through the door. What does her ex do for a living? Is he A, a gardener at a museum, B, a dance choreographer, or C, a NASCAR driver and recent Sprint Cup winner? I feel like it's got to be C because that's <laughs> so C. specific. Yes, a NASCAR driver and Sprint Cup winner. That's ridiculous. Everyone in this book has the weirdest effing jobs I've ever heard of. Uh, 11. What complication do we get during our love triangle plot? This one's tough. Okay. A. Tara's mother gets cancer. B. Tara's daughter returns. Her adopted daughter returns. Or C. Tara almost dies. I don't think it's A because that's a plot line in the room. Um, I think it's the daughter. The daughter does indeed return. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to assure you all that Mick is not giving me clues for these. Nope. This I don't book even is have... just super predictable. I do not have an answer key anywhere. Uh, 12. What embarrassing situation does Tara run into in town? A. The town gossips create a Facebook poll about which man she should get back together with. B. She is constantly being walked in on while making out. Or C, her daughter begins banging the gardener at her at B&B. Or D, all of the above. Um, I'm thinking that it's A, because that sounds like the kind of thing that an author would include in their romance book to try to make it real hip. Like, oh, we're going to put it on Facebook poll. So I'm going to go with A. It is D, all of the above. Oh, so it was A, but it was also yes. other things. The, the daughter bones the gardener? Yeah, they're both 17. Uh, the, yes, she constantly has walked in on making out, which I'll talk about, and the Facebook poll I will also talk about. All right, I'll talk about it right now. Uh, it mentions tweeting to Facebook. Oh, good. And not by, like, the old people. It's, like, mentioned in narration that mm, they, tweet to, they Facebook. tweet to Facebook. I read that one out loud to my high school students during homeroom. To, Did like, they laugh? Yeah, they thought it was very funny. They're like, <laughs> you can't tweet to Facebook. <laughs> anyway. Uh, the gardener that we talked about is a fellow 17-year-old, hard-nosed, quiet, intense, 
hard worker with maybe like kind of a troubled past. That's a lot of adjectives. Yes. What is his name? Is it A, John, B, Carlos, C, Michael? Carlos. Of course it's of Carlos. Of course it's Carlos. Uh, 14. How obvious is it that Tara will get with Ford? A, like it's never even a thing that they won't. B, she doesn't, and C, it takes until the last second. Um, A and B, or A and C? Like, it's always obvious that she's going to, but it takes until the end of the book. She's decided on, like, so it's A. She's decided, like, act one. Yeah. That's why I didn't bother reading the rest of it. Like, Wait. you've already made this decision. But then do they actually get together that early? Well, 15, how does our book end? A, on a proposal. B, at a wedding. C, with fellatio. And uh-huh. D, none. I wrote this question before I read the ending. D. Actually, I did read this. I So I wrote this question before I read the ending. And it's A. It ends on a proposal. Of course it does. Even I proposed the dang thing. Or I knew the dang thing. So you scored. Uh, I you, missed two. You missed two. So you scored a 13 out of 15. So That's pretty people respectable. Playing at home, along at home, I hope you got the same thing. This book, as you may have noticed, is the most predictable thing I have ever read. Uh, and I didn't even read that much of it. I started off page two or three thinking, you know, this isn't going to be such a bad book. The writing, for the most part, mm-hmm. the like the syntax, I think maybe I'm just coming off of that. Oh, that terrible Meg Cabot book. Yeah. Meg Cabot, yeah. That terrible book. And so maybe just like the fact that sentences were completed without mm-hmm. four exclamation points had me going. But it, it seemed at first like, oh, maybe I got off a little lucky. And then I kept reading and it was just like, why are we even going about this? Mm-hmm. Why are we doing these motions? I don't know. I, I can't think of anything in my life that is so instilled that we all know how it's going to end and it doesn't uh everyone in this book has a very very weird job like ford is a professional sailor and was in cosmo and the former nascar driver then we have a former nascar driver their half sisters dads all have really weird uh jobs like uh they have a former deadhead mother just like i had in that one country uh, oh yep yep like the grateful dead yeah. They follow him on tour. Like I had in the one Sarah Evans book. Yeah. That was the mother, except this time it was the mother who's gone, and now the fathers were there. Uh, one, si- one sister has a government scientist as a father. The other has a uh, Hollywood set designer. Uh-huh. Yeah. And where does this book take place? Uh, Washington. Oh, okay. I think. I'm pretty okay. sure, except it's always nice. Somewhere in Lucky Harbor. Somewhere wherever Lucky Harbor is. Yeah. Um. So, weird jobs. And so Ford and Tara, we learned pretty early on, used to bang when they were 17. Mm-hmm. And she had a troubled past because her mom was always on the whatever road. And he took that all away through his wiener and everything. Which, like, to a certain extent, a 17-year-old person yeah. does get a little distracted by banging a lot. I'm For sure. sure. Yeah, so I, that's not it's not out of the ordinary. But so they've been banging since they were 17. This is also told pretty early on because we need to get to the plot test where she comes back. That Tara got pregnant, gave the baby up for adoption, and then mm-hmm. skipped town down to uh, uh, Houston, down to Texas, which is where she gets her southern, her southern bellitude. Which southerns, southerns, southerns bell. Yeah. Do not come from Texas. No, that's like Georgia, that's Louisiana, Mississippi, Georgia. Alabama, like, like mainly deep Georgia. South. Yeah. yeah. Texas is like howdy y'all and everything, but that's not really southern. No. Bell. That's like big hair. Yeah. There's no like frilly dresses. Mm-mm. Anyway. Um, 
<laughs> One thing that I probably should have mentioned is, you know, there's a fancy literature word for this, and I'm sure Meg is going to yell at her uh, iPod, or Michelle is going to yell at her iPod when she hears this. There's a fancy literature word for it when you have a quote at the beginning of every chapter. Mm-hmm. Most of the time we have Fight Club, or poetry, mm-hmm. or like way better works of literature than you. In this one, uh, my computer makes a noise, and after that, the book quotes the main character, just like has normal kind of tweet length thought farts and attri- from the main character yeah and attrib- attributes them to the main character that the, is revolting the main character never says any of these things they're only at the beginning of the book and it has such wisdoms like uh experience is what you get when you didn't know what you wanted or generally speaking if your mouth is moving you aren't learning much or it's impossible to be both smart and in love which is very much not true i hate that I also hate that. Because the, the type of love that this book believes in is like the instant boner, electric, electricity, mouth mush love. I hate that, too. Yeah. That's that's so infuriating. That is very infuriating, which it would have rang true if they were still friggin' 17 years old. Yeah. Because 17-year-olds are yeah. stupid and well, dumb. And, like, there's a time and a place for being stupid about love and boning, and it's when you're a high schooler. Yeah. Like, and like, That's when you make your stupid decisions regarding love. Yeah, because you are so afraid of women that your body floods you with flight or flight chemicals and your brain literally is like, I don't have to worry about sounding smart. I have to worry about either running away or doing something crazy, you know. Yeah. Um, Tara, I do want you to know, it has the eyes of the color of perfectly aged whiskey. Oh, and so but we can't just say brown. I was gonna, I was gonna go through this whole tortured analogy of like this book is actually about alcoholism, and Ford is like her, <laughs> her like tensions coming back to haunt her mm-hmm. that she had originally kicked the habit when she was seventeen, but it didn't work. Um, let's see here. Oh, this book is very. You know, have you ever heard the phrase like "show don't tell"? Yes. This book. Uh, Really hedges its bets. And Very the, tell, don't show. Uh, no, it's it's show and tell, and oh, that's exhausting. Oh, like kindergarten classroom. Yeah, I'm gonna see paragraph two. Uh, so here's like a pretty good paragraph of character development mm-hmm. and like showing how these characters interact with each other, and then it just farts it all the way at the end. Tara managed to get them seated with only the barest of snarls. Chloe ordered a short stack and consulted with the magic. Magic 8 app on her iPhone, asking it if she was going to have a date anytime in the near future. Okay, she's, she's you know, a little bit more withdrawn from her sisters. She's kind of spacey. Uh, she's younger. She's more invested with technology. She's kind of just kind of out there, airheaded, right? Mm-hmm. Maddie ordered bacon and eggs with home fries and talked to Jax on her cell about something that was making her blush. Okay, well, Maddie has a new romance, and mm-hmm. she's still in that very honeymoon kind of stage. Oh, all right, you know, I got it. Tara ordered oatmeal, very boring, and wheat toast, very boring, so she's very boring, and was very busy calculating the balance in her checkbook. Very boring. Mm-hmm. But like in a relatable, kind of realistic, yeah. boring kind of way. Last sentence of the paragraph, if that didn't explain their major differences right there, nothing could. Oh, like you almost had it. You almost had it. You were so close, you were right there, <laughs> and then you just went too far. Yeah, uh... Too far. Very... Oh, I almost said Julie James, but that was my author. Who wrote your book? <laughs> Cheryl something? Uh, no, Chalvis? Jill Chalvis. Ah. Uh, very next paragraph. 
Tara knew that she wasn't exactly known for the warm, loving emotions required to spoil someone and that she could actually come off as cold, as distant, even cold. This actually surprised her because she didn't feel distant, although she'd like to try to be so sometime. Like, are you just like now explaining your character journal to us? Yeah. I don't, I don't really understand it. Then we get the tweeted to Facebook. Basically, what this book is is that she is enraptured with this Ford guy, that she had never really got over him. They have this shared history. They still have a shared passion because the book opens with her going all mushmouth around him. Mm -hmm. He's, the book would have you know, very handsome. Of course. How? I don't know. He's got a six pack. Mm -hmm. And a butt, I guess. And arms. Men have those, right? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Presumably other body parts, too. Probably some knees. Yeah, knees, (laughs) I guess. Um... Would you say, would you have to guess that their first, Ford and uh, Tara immediately, like, this is your male protagonist, mm-hmm. and this is the one you're going to end up with, because we also get the book from his point of view, and no one else's, but these two. Yeah. So it's like, okay, these are the two. Yeah. Um, would you say that their first time, like, making out, starting to advance up the bases for the first time in, like, 16, 17 years, uh, Here's an extra credit. What happens when they're... Well, I'll tell you this. They're cooking. He goes to fry her some chicken because she's stressed out. And he knows that she likes fried chicken and cold Mm -hmm. potato salad when she's stressed out. And he fries it in the span of like three sentences in a paragraph and serves it to her. And it's delicious. I'm like, boy, you better check that internal temperature Mm -hmm. because that cooked way too fast. Anyway, then there's a whole thing with the flour. But the chicken's already cooked. So why are you getting the flour back out? Yeah. And she sprays the flour all over herself, and then she decides that she's going to make him messy as well, so she rubs her... Gross. Gross, yeah. So they start making out covered in flour. Mm-hmm. What is the end result of that scene, would you say? That they're beginning to make out, they The smoke detector goes off. Oh, that's a way better and funnier thing. No, people just walk in on them. Why wasn't it the smoke detector? It's way you better. were perfectly set up for that. Yeah, but the chicken's already been, like, half eaten. So the two sisters come home. And then the very next scene, they have sex. Like, it's th- it happens after they get the sisters out of there, they go somewhere else, and they do So it. then what's the point of the interruption by the sisters? Because the interruption is supposed to be like, now I have these, ball- like these boners that I don't know what to do with. But that immediately gets resolved in the next scene. Yeah, so it's, this entire thing could have been done by a computer. We could, like, create an algorithm that says from pages 21 to 25, we need to be introduced to the main lead, the main male lead, uh, several supporting characters that, uh, like, set includes wild child and newlywed, or uh, wild child. In some form, there always has to be the trio of wild child, control freak, and mm-hmm. recently in love, right? Well, to be fair, looking at this section from where I got this book, I think this algorithm Was. kind of exists. Yeah. Like, I think it's being used. Um, yeah, so, very true. Her her ex-husband comes back, and it's like, he he's just like, hey, I'm going to make you want to marry me again. But this wasn't like the Ford kind of tragic, we had a baby, we were dumb, we were 17, we yeah. still really want to bang each other kind of thing. It's like, we were married for a couple years and grew apart. Yeah. And I'm, not, I'm just like, she says, and this is one of the things, again, that rings kind of true, that he's not a bad guy, he's the wrong guy. And that's, like, really realistic and yeah. true, but also, make like, invalidates the rest of the conflict and the yeah. tension because it's, like, seems like you've made a decision that this is a wrong person for you. Mm-hmm. And here's the thing. It does invalidate all that tension. It doesn't seem like it does. It does because he sticks around and she's just, like, never into it. And occasionally he grabs her by the hips and, like, kisses her and she's just 
not into it. Like, she doesn't resist at all because she's a woman and she doesn't have any agency. But she, like, is not into it. And yeah. so there's no tension about, oh, who should I pick? And she's already made her decision. This yeah. is where the poll comes in and it's absolutely ridiculous. And it's dumb. And so she doesn't want, like, you know, in a rom-com book, there has to be some sort of obstacle standing in the way of them. In, that mm-hmm. very, in the very, very, very first Biblioval book you got me with How to Marry a Duke, mm-hmm. I still remember it because it was the very first one and it was actually pretty good. It's that this guy is trying to marry society ladies and it's his matchmaker he wants to bang, but how yeah. scandalous. And so that that put an obstacle that his boner was poking into, mm-hmm. right? And here the obstacle is that Tara is trying to work on herself. And I mean... That's not- that's not really an obstacle that you can write a book around. Yeah, because sometimes it's like, I'm not ready for a relationship is a thing that happens to people. Like, yeah. I don't want to be in a relationship. I just got broken up with. I'm in a bad place. Whatever. That makes sense. But when you've been broken up for, and then you talk about so much that it's been like four years since you've gotten laid, and you're thinking about dating again, and you still really want to bang this guy, and you yeah. have this great character, like, it doesn't feel real at all it feels like just some this book is entirely made made of the worst parts of romance novels which is that false kind of conflict yeah that, that constructed conflict and this is only constructed conflict like every time she begins to kiss one of the guys or one of the guys kisses her the door opens and it's the other guy how scandalous or for some goddamn reason, I had to rewind in the book because I skipped to the end to find out why Ford was in a cast. It took me forever to rewind because they're in the hospital for both people, both guys. And it turns out that there's this like friendly sort of not so friendly, but not really like fighting or angry rivalry between mm-hmm. the two suitors. And it happens that they climb an apple tree and begin throwing apples at each other like from two separate trees. Okay, but... Why? Exactly. <laughs> so that Ford can fall out of the tree and break his and leg. And wind up in the hospital. And wind up in the hospital. And then the other guy, Logan, comes down to like, oh, you big pussy, and comes to make fun of him. And he gets stung a ton by bees, and he's allergic. So he has to go to the hospital. So it's like this absolutely false, constructed conflict that we're just supposed to kind of like blare through. So instead of the characters naturally winding up in a situation that progresses the plot, she decided where she wanted to progress the plot to and then forced the characters into a situation that would result in them being there. Pretty much. That's frustrating and I don't like it. It's like Chekhov's retroactive gun. Mm. Um, all in all... This book is like a big glass of warm water, like water that came out of the tap a little hot. Yeah. Where it still is like, okay, I suppose that lets me survive. And I suppose that there's nothing wrong with it. Mm-hmm. But it's just like, nah. It's not ideal. It's just like, nah. Like when you drink warm water, it's just kind of gross. Yeah. And it just feels like, I don't know. It was bad and it was... By the numbers and algorithmic, algorithmic, algorithmic. He invented the romithic internet. Ah, um, see, the sex scenes in it weren't even that good. She says, uh, "Where is the thing? In me, right now." To like get him to. Yeah. Well, that's no fun. Yeah, I know. Um, and also, there's no like. 
he smooches on the underside of her boobs like that that's about the extent of yeah. the language and she yeah. likes it uh you can tell he's the good guy because not only is she the only one he bangs because heaven forbid a woman have multiple sex partners she i mean she would be a uh a hussy if she Lucy, did yeah. yeah um but he goes down so he's got to be a good Ooh. guy yeah um lastly the whole thing where oh i had something i want to talk about Oh, this is one last thing, and I really hate this, but it's I, I suppose it's kind of true to life, where the reason that she won't go with him is because, not because that she's afraid of getting pregnant again, or because he's not serious enough, which is what she says. It's because that at 17, he let her go. Ugh, that's the grossest thing ever, and I hate it. Yeah, like, you can't judge people forever on the actions that they made when they were 17. In general, That's yeah. That's garbage. I don't judge her for running away when she's pregnant. Like, that makes sense. But even a 35-year-old man, seeing, like, dating a woman, and the woman is like, I'm going, I'm leaving, I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. A 35-year-old man who respects a person's authority over themselves and opinion would be like, ow, I don't like this happening. I don't want you to go, but... but- yeah, I'm not going to say you can't. Yeah, that's gross and weird. That's very gross. So I hate that trope. Anyway, uh, that book that is now on the floor, whose name I forget. Uh, uh, the Tall the Glass, Sweetest Thing. The Sweetest Thing, uh, which is weird. It, there was nothing about, like, uh, pickled herring or toximicate. It was the sweetest thing, but it wasn't that, that, wasn't that sweetish at all. How sweet it is. Indeed. So... Uh, moving over to the other type of romance book, or maybe even the same type of romance book, we've got Sue with It Happened One Wedding. Now, I believe I wanted to talk about Julie James. I believe you did. So I've wanted to check out a book by Julie James for some time now, and it's a book that I found in the uh, library when I had already found the book I was going to get, Susan. And that book that I found is A Lot Like Love by Julie James. Now, it has a picture of a man in a tuxedo and a woman in what looks like a prom dress on it. And I believe it had something to do with, like, a mob informant man and a DA woman end up hooking up or something stupid like that. And so I go to find Julie James in the library, and I find, like most romance novels, a lot of Julie James. Or a lot of books by that person. Uh, The weirdest thing, though was that every single one of her books on this shelf had the exact same template on the back page. Do you remember this? I do. It was amazing. So I'm going to read the current one. She knows better than to say I do, right? Every single one of them started with a big thing about her. Mm-hmm. After a humiliating end to her engagement, investment banker Sydney Sinclair is done with committed phobic men, blah, 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 blah. But he makes it hard to say I don't. And then there's a big, bold template thing for him and then a blah 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 about him right and so this isn't out of the ordinary once again some algorithmic style writing um by the way matt either matt because you're both good with computers which i hear they have on the internet now Mm -hmm. uh if you want to write us a bibliophile writing algorithm i would be and sue would be more than happy to give you some like sets to pull from Oh my just make, goodness! Like, a a plot generator. That How would be to amazing. make the ultimate bibliophile? That would be absolutely amazing. Um. Anyway, <laughs> so another algorithmic kind of summary, and then I pull off Julie James's another book. Same thing. Julie James another book. Same thing. 
Julie James another book. And then I pull off what is like long for Julie? Julia. I think that was it. Mm-hmm. There's some fantasy books. And I'm like, I've wanted to get Sully, Sue a fantasy book for a while now. Because uh, they're pretty bad and they're silly and crazy. And so I pull off one of those and I look at the back and it's like, she's going to become queen soon. And it talks about this woman who's going to become queen. And then at blah, 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 blah. But he's got all the designs on the throne and it talks about this sexy knight. And I realized that both of the books were by the same lady, algorithm, whatever, but it she changed her name to make it more fancy and fantasy for the second one. And so I settled with getting her at Happened One Wedding because it seemed the most bibliovolgamy. I didn't want to risk it with any dragons or anything like that. But I just want you all to know that Julie slash Julia James really puts that nom de poon to work. You know what I'm saying? She really does. She really does. So I will be quiet now. How is Julie James's is It Happened One Wedding? So, listeners, you can either listen to the next 25 minutes of this podcast or you can just rewind and listen to the <laughs> first 25 minutes again. Because it's essentially the same. It's the same book. We have um, an, an uptight, sort of wound up too tight um protagonist she nice. has just gotten out of a bad long-term relationship oh, no. this time with her fiance um things ended when three weeks before the wedding um she was at her final dress fitting and a woman walked into the bridal shop and announced that she was um sydney's fiance's lover and so he'd been cheating she was also <laughs> his personal trainer so, so she just walked out. in hello Yep. How are you? Here's my card. I'm banging your husband. Pretty much, yeah. That's very realistic and true to life. Yeah. And then we have the, like, kind of the playboy male protagonist. Mm. We have a sister who's kind of a wild child. Really? Um, we have a very formulaic plot. And it was funny because the first note that I took, and I think this was after, like, maybe the first two or three chapters, but the first thing that I wrote down in my notes is, this book is the platonic ideal of a rom-com. <laughs> well, that would be romantic, wouldn't it? True. <laughs> so the way that they meet, like, I, I think you will understand what I mean by that when I explain to you the way that our, our two main characters Let me guess. Meet. They do not originally like each other. They do not. What? So we start, we trade back and forth throughout each chapter. Ugh. We see things from both Vaughn's point of view. Vaughn. Vaughn, V-A-U-G-H-N. Um, and Sydney's point of view. And we start off with Vaughn's point of view. He is in a coffee shop and he is enjoying a cup of coffee while waiting to go have dinner with his brother and his brother's new girlfriend. And Mauer. And, uh... Simon and Isabel are their names. The Queen of Spain? And he is watching the woman at the table next to him who is on a blind date and it is clearly not going well. Like the guy that she's with won't shut up, won't let her talk. She looks really bored. And so then the he's watching as their date ends and the guy asks, you know, can I call you? Would you like to see each other again? And Vaughn is wondering, like, how is she going to handle this? Is she going to say, oh, sure, and then just never call him back? Or is she just going to tell him straight up? And she just tells him straight up. She's like, you know, I, I had a nice time. Thank you for going on a date with me. I don't 
think that I would like to go on another date with you, uh-huh. whatever. And Vaughn is very impressed by this. He thinks, oh, like this is a very direct, straightforward woman. I like that. So as soon as the date leaves, oh no, he goes and sits down and starts hitting on her. God. And she basically tells him straight off. And she was like, you are clearly the kind of guy that thinks he's super charming and can get any woman. And I'm not into that. I'm not into the playboy. Like, I've been down that road. I don't want that. Please leave me alone. I have to get going. I'm headed to dinner. And so. Well, she's at dinner. Well, she was, they were at a coffee shop. Oh, yes, you're right. So then she leaves a few minutes. A few minutes later, Vaughn leaves. He has to go to dinner. With his uh, his brother and his his brother's girlfriend, who he has not met yet, so he sits down at dinner with Simon and Isabel, and Isabel says, "Oh, by the way, I've invited my sister as well. I wanted the two of you to meet." And turns out that Isabel's sister is Sydney, who is the woman from the cafe. How did she, how did he get there first? I don't know. Why did she set up a date before a? an appointment so that she had an excuse to leave if things went bad yeah but things did go bad and whatever she still like got there late then at dinner simon and isabel announced that not only are they dating they're actually engaged they're going to be getting married and the date for the wedding um they've been dating for i think like six or seven weeks the wedding is set for um three months from now what? And and they ask at dinner, they ask uh, Vaughn to be the best man and Sydney to be the maid of honor. And so, like, oh, you two are going to be spending a lot of time together. Hope you get along. And they don't tell Isabel and Simon that they've already met. They decide to, like, keep that on the down low and just try to be civil to so each other. So that's where things start off. So we find out about her recent breakup mm-hmm. through a flashback. Mm-hmm. Sydney's recent breakup yeah. through a flashback. Perfect, because yep. why start a story where it begins? That's exactly. What I, that's what I say. But, like, that whole, they met and they hated each other, but it was, like, sort of a very, like, patent-perfect way of them to meet the, like, they were both at the same coffee shop and he hit on her and blah, blah, blah. And then... Which is awful, by the way. Like, dog. Don't do that. You don't know her at all. You did not meet her genuinely. You eavesdropped on a conversation for a while, and she just had a bad, like, hour and a half. I'm going to give any men out, single men out there who are interested in women, I'm going to give you all a hint. I was going to say Matt, let's not, but then you said interested in women. Just don't. Dickinson. Don't do that. Uh Like, don't do things like that. I get hit on fairly frequently at the gym. Ugh. Don't do that. I am sweaty and gross and lifting heavy objects, or I just got done running on a treadmill, or I am jump roping, and I want you to go away and get out of my way so I can continue working out. Don't hit on people at the gym or when they've just finished a bad date. Just don't hit on women. Just stop. There are places where women are like, I would like to be hit on tonight. Those are not places. Those are not any of the places. Currently on a date and very sweaty. and Not places. Not places. Um, additional things that make this like the romantic ideal of the rom-com, even their jobs, I think, fit in. And their like personality traits fit into the stereotypical um, rom-com. She is some sort of... She has a job involved with weddings. No? She does not actually... 
Um, so her personality type, she's the very structured, very uptight. Yeah. Um, she is like a hedge fund manager. She mm. just moved back from New York. She was living in Manhattan for like seven years with the, the former Where fiance. does this take place? It takes place in Chicago, actually. Oh, so she's very rich. Mm-hmm. She's very rich. Good. And We'd she's ha- from a very rich family. We would hate to have troubles in mm-hmm. our fiction book that we read to learn about people coming overcoming troubles. Exactly. Um, she is also from a very wealthy family. Her mom passed away or um, when she and her sister were pretty young. Dad was super flighty, has been married like four different times, but they're super rich. It was actually the wow. exact same family situation as Tom Hanks's character comes from in You've Got Mail. Like, I wouldn't know. I... Wrote perfect. It was the exact same family situation. Which You've Got Mail is like the tip top number one of rom Exactly. So of course you're going to copy that. Yeah. Also, of course, the guy from Chicago's uh, marriage relationship is flighty. The O'Hare's there. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. I struggled really hard to get that out. That was a good one. Um, and then Vaughn, on the other hand, Vaughn is from a very, very large Irish family. There are several rom-coms that involve men from large Irish yep. families. My big fat Irish wedding. Um, Silver Linings Playbook. I don't know that that's as much a comedy, but it's kind of a romance. And he's from a big Irish uh, family. So I married an axe murderer. Oh. A Scottish family. I you see. would like that movie. It's pretty good. Interesting. I've never heard of it before. Oh, um. Yeah. It's weird. He is an FBI agent. (laughs) And he's like, he's an undercover agent, but he only works normal business hours. So he has every weekend off and he's usually done by 5 p.m. Tell me how that works. Crime happens 9 to 5. Who is he currently undercover with? Um, He is working undercover to crack a case about a, a corrupt, five corrupt cops who are helping to smuggle guns into the city of Chicago. So clearly that all happens during normal business hours. Also, how how quickly does he like how quickly does he tell our heroine about this? Like right away. She hey, knows throughout the whole thing. Hey, Even when wo- they hate each other. Hey woman who I just yeah. met, I'm an undercover cop. Mm-hmm. Hey, uh waiter, bring us some more bread. I'm an undercover cop. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, even some of the like tertiary characters mm. fit into the rom com trope. Gay um, best friend. Not a gay best friend, but a new mom best friend, uh, which is like and the your next life is, step. Yeah, and your life is so much easier than mine. I'm a new mom. I can't sleep at all. Exactly. And I kind of hate my kids, but I don't really. And their interactions with each other, that's exactly what the, her name is Trish. That's exactly what she's like. Um, and I'm just going to read an example of their conversation. So um, Sydney and Trish are talking about Vaughn and how they met. She filled Trish in on all the details about her and Vaughn's meet so not cute at the coffee oh, shop and their awkward reunion at dinner with Isabel and Simon. An FBI, FBI agent, huh? Trish's <laughs> expression turned sly. Izzy Foxy. That whole story about the strange coincidence and my glorious speech of many insults. Those three words are capitalized. And the fact that I'm going to be stuck running into this dude forever and that's your first question? Is he foxy? Sydney shook her head. Trish, on behalf of womankind, I was expecting a more enlightened discourse. Trish simply waited. Totally foxy, Sydney said. Like, that's that's just, like, that is just the tropiest trope of protagonist best friend rom-com dialogue. 
Like, that you could have taken that straight out of any romantic comedy uh, from the late 90s until now. Uh, I will point out, nobody grabbed the bridge of their nose, and nobody snorted. That's true. They do that a lot stopped. in rom-coms. Yeah. Um, what is this? Why does the best friend of the person who just met this person know that they're an FBI agent? This is bad security. I know. This is why people get fired. Yeah. Also because of political, like, shittiness and bad... Yeah, yeah and when you stop being useful. Um, so other things... So it just happened to work out that the only place that Isabel and Simon could find for a wedding venue on such short notice is the very club that Sydney was going to be having her wedding at. Because it got canceled. Well, it was not on the same day. She was supposed to be getting married a couple months ago. No, um, but that would make a good plot point. It would have made a good plot point. But then, oh, it would have been unrealistic, but at mm. least it would have provided, like, some semblance of conflict for once in your life. So there's, like, all these small little things about Vaughn and Sydney are asked by Simon and Isabel to go to the tasting, and it brings back memories for Sydney of her own wedding tasting. And she remembers all the staff and they like she complains about everyone gives they went like, to the same co- cake shop like no, no no tasting like like at the venue oh at the venue yeah okay um and sydney does complain about like anytime she sees anyone who knows about the breakup they always give her what she refers to as the head tilt where they like tilt their heads to the side and they say sydney how are you and like the word r is always italicized and she well, complains about that I'm like that's pretty that's, true to yeah. life i like that yeah, that's good i liked that and so like there's some stuff about throughout the wedding planning process they just keep running into people and that she knew and like that part i get all right um and then she, and then the other guy is like here's the guy who's going to be crafting the bouquet Hey, buddy, I, I know that my uh, brother, my brother's, like, soon-to-be wife really likes daisies. Also, I'm an undercover FBI agent. Exactly. So. I just really wanted you to know that. Also, the reason that the sister and her, that Sydney's sister and Vaughn's brother are getting, yep, you guessed it, she's prego. And so, for some reason, Sydney is invited on the trip that they all take out to Wisconsin to go ve- to go meet Simon and Vaughn's family. Sydney is invited to go too, um, supposedly because they want to keep the pregnancy hidden from his family, and they want Sydney to help cover for Isabel because she's a very morning sick and she keeps barfing. Also, she's now in the witness protection program because her their quasi boyfriend is an undercover FBI agent, mm-hmm. and he can't stop telling people about how he's an undercover agent. Actually, I wrote that in my notes. Why do we have to be reminded of Vaughn's occupation every five pages? Is that really? Yeah. He brings it up in conversation all the time. As an FBI agent, like, he talks about it to people. Other people mention it in conversations with him or about him. They also made a super huge point of having this conversation about, like, Sydney asks, she was like, so if I ever ran into you in the street, would I, should I like not acknowledge you because you might be undercover? And he says, typically I tell my friends and the people that I know to be safe, don't acknowledge me if you see me out in public. But with most of the cases that I'm on, I'm not going to be out in public in places that I would run into people that I Because heaven know. forbid we have an awkward situation. And But the way that they kept bringing it up and like made it a big deal, I thought for sure that was going to happen. Pavlov, or not Pavlov's, 
Chekhov's smuggled gun, if you will. Pretty much. Second reference. That's pretty good. Look at Mr. Literary over here. That's a pretty good here. one. I'm going to write a play. Um, so, basically, our main conflict, and it's done fairly well for a rom-com. Um, our main conflict is that, like, these two, there's obviously a lot of sexual tension. They're very attracted to each other. But Sydney sees Vaughn as this playboy, and he openly admits that, like, that's the life he leads. He had been in a serious relationship a while ago, hasn't been in one since, and he just has, like, a series of one-night stands, and he's cool with that because it's fun, and he enjoys it. Does he ever reference, the uh, like, he's living that James Bond lifestyle? He doesn't. I was waiting for the James Bond reference. Yeah. Yeah. All right. It never came up, but, like, that's her main thing. Like, I can't date this guy for this reason. And she has, she, after the whole disaster with her ex-fiance, she has developed a list with 34 bullet points. Wowzers, wowzers. And any man that she dates has to meet all of the requirements Gross. on the list in order for her to go on a second date with him. And it's all these things about, like, he has to be settled in his job, but he can't be too obsessed with his work he has to have a good relationship with his family um so he they, has to like if he specifically says that he's not ready for a committed relationship then he's out he has to like children like all these things that kids or that not kids that guys have to meet on her checklist in order for her to go on a second date with him needless to say this woman goes on like 25 dates throughout the book and never goes on a second date because no one ever meets all the checklist items. The type of checklist that only a writer would make one of her characters write so that she could have multiple dates going on. Exactly. Because that's not a thing people do. No, it's really not. Um, so that's our central conflict. Like, they're clearly attracted to each other. They, When they're on the trip to Wisconsin to meet his family, they kiss. <gasps> um, and there's... Then there are several times in Is which a live they sleep together. Oh. So. Like bang or like sleep together? They have sex. Nice. Um, And right before they have sex for the first time, Trish, the best friend, tells Sydney, because they're all drunk at the bachelor and bachelorette parties, which wind up being connected. I've seen that happen before, but that's still like, even though it's realistic to life. It's like that's it's just lazy. Weird. Yeah, it's yeah. lazy. And Trish says, "You know what? I know you're lo- she, the the phrase that she uses. I know you're looking for Mr. Right, but he might be a really good Mr. Right now, which like is lame and cliche and very rom com tropey. But I also don't mind the sentiment. Like, girl, you just got out of a bad relationship." Go get you some. Get it. Go get you some. Which there's a it, hot cop over there. Go get you some. Get it. Uh, there's a certain amount in rom-coms where it's like, I'm drunk, so I'm going to explain your motivations to you. Yeah. But at a, at a certain level, drunk people tend to explain motivations like explicitly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. Guilty as charged. Drunk people <laughs> do that a lot. Um, so... That's the first time they sleep together. They sleep together several other times throughout the book. Nice. But it's always this very, like, she continues to talk to him about her dates. And she'll be like, okay, you're a player. Tell me what this guy is thinking. Is he a player too? And she's very much like, we are just doing that. Like, we are just sleeping together to sleep together. We're not, we're not compatible, blah, blah, blah. 
he, of course, throughout all this time is falling for her and is deciding that what? he's ready for a committed relationship. But he's a playboy. But he doesn't know how to tell her that. So that's our main, like, conflict here. So finally, towards the end of the book, Sydney goes on a date and he does not get shot. He doesn't get shot? He doesn't get shot, but I'll I get there. I pantomimed this. I'll get there. So Sydney goes on a date and the guy that she's on a date with meets all 34 things on her checklist <gasps> and he's he's perfect and she's very excited about this and blah 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 he's and gay. they kiss and he's very into her and the whole time they're kissing she's thinking of Vaughn and so she tells the guy she's like I'm sorry I thought I was ready for this I'm just not ready and and does not go on a second date with the guy and then she decides that she's just gonna ignore Vaughn until her feelings for him go away in the meantime, he does wind up in a sticky situation with his undercover cop situation. Surprisingly, not because he's told everyone in the city of Chicago that he's an undercover cop, but something goes wrong. He winds up with five guns pointed at him all at once, and he is able to defuse the situation. But in that moment, when all those guns were pointed at his head, the only thing that he thought of was Sydney. Which, like, I'm sorry. In your near-death experience or, like, potential death experience, you're not going to think about a girl that you've known for, like, eight weeks. Yeah, I think if I had five guns pointed at me ready to shoot, I would be thinking, shit. Yeah. But he was thinking of her. And so they haven't talked for weeks, and then it's the night of the rehearsal dinner. And they, like, there's all of this tension still. They apparently walk down the aisle looking into each other's eyes the whole time. Dangerous. That's not a thing that you can do, right? No, that's that's hard to do. One thing that happens a lot with real people that I find very aggravating is walking da- like walking places with your arms across each other's hips. Yeah. That sucks and is difficult. It is difficult. It doesn't allow your like your body room to move. Yeah, you're like so, of course, after the rehearsal, they're getting ready to go to the rehearsal dinner, and he tells her that he's in love with her, and that he wants no. to change his ways, and they're going to get together. They don't tell anyone until after the wedding, because they don't want to steal anybody's thunder. Oh, thank God. But they do, like, get together, and... uh then it turns out everyone totally knew that Isabel was pregnant the whole time, even though they were trying to hide it. And it all gets pretty much wrapped up. Well, all of the romantic stuff gets wrapped up. Couple Do we other... solve the gun things? Yeah, I was about to get to that. Okay. Other rom-commy tropes. Uh, first of all, they both refer to each other consistently by their last names. She calls him Roberts, and he calls her Sinclair. And I feel like that's kind of a rom-commy thing, too. To do it constantly is ridiculous. Yeah. Like, you call me by my maiden name sometimes. Occasionally. That's a that's like a Dickinson boy thing, and I, I like it. I actually think it's super, super cute. Like, in certain situations, but it's all like, of you will refer to your spouse by maiden name. Yeah. But it's not an all-the-time thing. No, and it's usually like a we're competing kind of thing. Like, I'm yeah. distancing myself from you playfully. Or, or we're in a large group and you're trying to get my attention and you can't, like, and you could just say Susan, but, like, literally everyone's last name is Dickinson. <laughs> so, like, saying Johnson will get my attention. Yeah, that's the one time saying Johnson will get fewer people's right? attention. Right. So other rom-com tropes, the work situation is never wrapped up. 
We don't get any more information. We so don't we know if he's going to have to go back into this situation where he had just had guns pulled on him. We don't know what's going to happen next. Hey, as Chance the Rapper says, it's easier to find a gun than it is to find an effing parking spot. Yeah. So, he should know. He should know. Um, also, no one in the whole book seems concerned about the fact that the ending of this situation might be two sisters marrying two brothers. And I just feel like that's going to be weird. I mean, if they both wind up happily married, that's fine. But, like, what if one of the couples doesn't work out? You're going to, like, have to run into that person for a long time. You're going to have to, like, know about them. Like, your families are are intertwined. I agree that that's weird, but I don't know how often, like, any sister-in-law runs into any brother-in-law. I mean, like, especially since one of the couples is having a child, like, we... We see your sister's in-laws, siblings, occasionally. And it's not even, like, the running into them. It's just the, like, your families are intertwined. I suppose that's true. If, and, like, if, are going to yeah. be doubly so. And so, well, like, this person, if it doesn't work out, is still going to be, like, you are still going to be concentric circles. Like I suppose it's, the Venn diagram overlaps quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. That's weird. You know, it's it it just is odd, especially yeah. for characters that hated each other's guts at the beginning. Well, even even like even if I am not super ready to be like the rest of your life is going to be weird, at the very least, mention like this is kind of weird, right? This yeah. Kind of weird. The only time it's really mentioned is at the very end. Um, at the end of the wedding, Sydney tells Isabel that she and Vaughn are together. And Isabel, the only thing she says is, if the two of you get married, will we be the Robert sisters instead of the Sinclair sisters? And then the book ends with, no, we'll always be the Sinclair sisters. <laughs> and that was the book. So, like, as far as... Because you're right, the book was about the Sinclair sisters. Yeah. As far as rom-com books go, like, the writing wasn't bad. I disagree, because I read a paragraph with you, and that was yeah. awful. The writing wasn't as bad as it could have been. It wasn't Meg Cabot bad. Yes, nothing is Meg Cabot bad. Not even Laura Lee. Laura Lee. Um, but it was just, like, it was so predictable and so trope after trope after trope after trope. That it almost became entertaining to read because it was like, what rom-com trope is next? Or like, like your quiz, like, can I accurately guess any plot, like yeah. any plot twists, I say that with air quotes, that are going to be coming up? And in spoiler alert, I could, yeah. I could guess them all. I guess, uh, yeah, guessing how the book is and will end is never a good sign, uh, especially when you don't really care about the book. So final thoughts on that book that you read, whose name I forgot. It Happened One Wedding. That's not even a good name. No, it's not. Because what, uh, what turn of phrase is that referencing? So here's the, here's the comparison that I'm going to make to this book. It Happened One Wedding. Do you remember Scratch Cupcakes? From Cedar Falls? Uh, I suppose I used to work next to them and I could smell it. So there was this cupcake place in our college town. 
And the cupcakes are gigantic. They're like fist-sized cupcakes. They are bigger than fist-sized cupcakes. And they have a small mountain of frosting on top. And just smelling one gives you a sugar high for days. And each one contains about 3,000 calories. It's disgusting. And some people are just completely obsessed with them and think they're the greatest thing ever and just really love scratch cupcakes. And I've never really gotten that. No, it's... Like, I went through a time in my life where I enjoyed the occasional scratch cupcake, but that time is done now, and I, like, I can't stomach them anymore. They're too sweet. Welcome to the dark side of not liking dessert, Susan. Okay, I'm not there, but, like, the same thing was with this book. Like, I understand in my brain that some people like this. It's just not my... My, my gig, man. So I had a theory about this as well, and we're running a little over time, but I want to see it through. That you you ever, like, you we've sp- both spent time a lot of time with toddlers. Yeah. And with young kids and babies even. Mm-hmm. And babies love doing the same exact thing over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. And there's a theory that the reason they love watching the same YouTube video or reading the same story or hearing the same noise, whatever over and over again that makes them happy is not because it's entertaining and they're like, wow, this is fun. It's because it's the one thing in their life that they can like say, I know how this is going to go. Aww, right? That a baby, so sad. Like, no, like it's, it's exciting that every single day of a baby's life is new. Like it's your first time going to yeah. the grocery store. Yeah. And it's you're terrifying. always interacting with new things. Yeah. And so you just want a chance to put your feet up and read Curious George for the mm-hmm. 30,000th time or play Candyland again because mm-hmm. everything else you're doing is so new. And so I think that to some extent, romance novels of this caliber and this amalgamation of computer parts uh, really reflect that about adults where it's like, this is the one thing in my life I understand and yeah. I just want to know this one thing. So that's my theory on that and you gotta admit. It's a pretty good theory. It's a pretty good theory and also a pretty good act. It's pretty good. Tonka. It's alright. Anyway, that will do us for this week of Bibliovile. My name has been and will be Mick Dickinson. And my name has been Susan Johnson, but will continue to be in the future Susan Dickinson. Are we now the Dickinson sisters? I think we are. <laughs> um, you can follow me on Twitter at DickyMott, D-I-C-K-I-M-A-A. I recently got a direct message from one of my, like, writer heroes. So <gasps> no big deal because he was asking about a thing that I posted about. So it wasn't whoop, even, whoop, like, specific whoop, to whoop, me, but whoop, it was pretty, whoop, pretty cool. Uh, you can follow Susan at susan j s with three u's s a n j well we post not that much except for biblioval anymore because we're both like involved in stuff now so i don't know what you're talking about i post on twitter a lot. you recently retweeted yasmin gallinor i did which i read She's that the thre- best i read that thread and like dang girl get on it but also i'm mad at you for not tweeting at Yasmin Gallinor yet about this podcast because we are wicked into Yasmin Gallinor. I am waiting until we do a specific Otherworld episode because I what I don't want to have happen is I don't want to be like, hey, we love your books on our podcast. Listen to our podcast about bad books and I don't want to offend her. So when we do a specific, like, I, I would like to read the first two yeah. Otherworld books soon. We need a correspondent. We've got to wait till Michelle's back from Italy. I don't know. You know we, we'll find someone. We'll find someone. We need to find three correspondents so that one always reads the the witch book, one always reads the vampire books, and the other reads the shifter books. I just books. think we should, we should go through them ourselves. 
But I like I want to hear about all of them. I don't want to like hop between. Okay. Well, you need to read every three then. Okay. Because I want to be like the expert on Camille. Camille. Or she's Manali. She's got big boobs. Yeah, and she fucks a lot. Yeah. I resisted saying the effort for so long this episode, but if you're you're not listening anymore. Anyway, uh, now that yeah, you listen um, to that discussion about the next episode of our podcast, um, that yeah, that's it. Uh, ending credits. Um, our intro music is Babe of the Night by the band Elixir off of our, their album Rampant. And our ending music is, uh, something that Mick made up. Yeah, on GarageBand. It's very, very difficult. It's not. Um, follow us on SoundCloud and subscribe on iTunes. Please, like, retweet when we say things or send it to somebody else. That would be really helpful. Tell a friend, yeah. Tell a friend. We Leave love you. Leave us a review on iTunes. Like, a good one, Yeah, though. Charles, I'm going to give a shout-out to Charles. He did it. So, I think that'll do it for us for tonight. Yes. Um, thanks for listening. Thank you for listening, and uh, write us an, an algorithm of books. Good night, Matt. Good night, Matt.